I know this is meant to be about all the things that will kill you. Uh -huh. I've been trying to think what a safe job would be like if you were to... Safest job? Safest job, uh, yeah. Hand job. Hand job. I had a friend whose job was... He was a close protection officer, but he was outside an embassy that no one ever went to. And so... An uncontroversial country. Yes. So his job was to stand armed yeah. outside what looked to be just like a, a house in London all day. And I think actually that was quite a safe job for him because even though he was an armed guard... No, I think no. No, no one was coming from. Oh, he might have died of boredom. He didn't last long in the job because I think as it, soon as you've got a gun on you, mm. there's a risk that you will die from that gun. Oh, it's like, true. For example, actually. if I was given a gun mm. and told you I don't need to use days. it, yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to fiddle with it, yeah, and then and then and then 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 take out my aorta or something. Hello, and welcome to the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. A comprehensive compilation of the seemingly innocuous everyday items that are secretly plotting your downfall. The show which might just save your life. I hope it does. I'm Matt Edmondson. And I'm Adam Kay, and this week we are adding two dangerous jobs to the list. Will it be podcast host? I don't think so. Can this be classified as a job? No. Do you mean to tell me you're getting paid for this? Um... Well, I'll tell you what, someone's definitely getting killed. So come and then join us, put on your high-vis, fasten your seatbelt, and most importantly, keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. I'm ready. I've been thinking about the most dangerous jobs, and I think I don't I don't know. It's, it was it was it was difficult because there are some jobs that are dangerous because I almost went for firefighter basically yeah because definitely dangerous that's definitely dangerous because you're dealing with fire mm. which is famously famously deadly. very very deadly yeah um military that is that is that is obviously deadly depending on which military you're in yeah I've got a friend in the military still alive and that's because he got deployed to the Falkland Islands where he basically hung out with some penguins for a while. Yep. And the most exciting thing he could tell me when he returned was that the building that he was stationed in had the world's longest corridor. Wow. Mm. That's amazing. I would say with the Falkland Islands, it's pretty much all or nothing uh, in terms of danger. <laughs> yeah. As to whether or not there's an enormous war happening. Mm. Because I can't say that it's always a safe place to be a soldier. Yeah, that's true. People are like, we're under attack, come quick. I can't, it's the world's longest corridor. I'll be with you in 15. I didn't go for military no. because I didn't think of it. Right. And if I had, I might have gone for it. I went for bullfighters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dice, constantly dicing with death, the That's old their bullfighter. Job. Is, it, is that job still on? It's on, yeah. Do you think... It's, it's not uncontroversial. No, I was going to say, I, I don't think I, in, I endorse it. Um, I think... You know, if you're at school in Spain and they make you fill out one of those uh, quizzes to determine the what cascade kind of, questionnaire, yeah, like what job you're going to do. Yeah. One of the questions would be, do you like taking a sword to a bull's neck in mm. front of twelve thousand people? Right, and if they click yes, it spits out bullfighter. Bullfighter, sure, okay. 
Yeah. Did you ever do one of those? What did you always predict that you were going to be? Bullfighter. Right. <laughs> I was, I did read up about how you do train to be a bullfighter and you start young and you go to bullfighting schools. There's 50 separate bullfighting schools in Spain. Wow. And they practice on cows. Oh my goodness. So that's like the placebo bull. Right. It's like the starter bull. Yeah. Can I just ask a question about these 50 bullfighting schools? Yeah. Do you have to show some sort of promise to go there? You know, is there is there like a Hogwarts-style letter that comes through the letterbox where they say you've you been do selected? Any children's films, don't you? Um, I think you'd probably have to have some initial interest sure. in it. You you would have to have a bit of a daredevil streak if your ideal job involves not being maimed mm. the reason it's controversial is loads of people watch you either murder a bull or be murdered by, by a bull. bull quite binary that isn't it it is uh there's no no score draw yeah someone yeah. someone loses mm, it's not like in chess where they can you know say that it was a tie i feel this is unique in the topics we've discussed so far because i feel sorry of course for anyone churned up by a lawnmower mm. or decapitated by in, the, in the course of their lift using career. Yeah. I see where this is going. It's a bit harder to feel sorry for the bull murderers. Mm. Yeah. For, sign up for the job knowing that they might be gored. Yeah. I think if you've goaded a bull, yeah. it's not on the bull. And there's a lot of... Go so it isn't just the matador. that you know, He has a team of six... Really? Assistance, By yeah. the way, that is what my fandom's called, the Matadors. Oh, yeah? Just uh, shout out to the Matadors. Um, I, <laughs> They're not I, shouting back? I've, I'm wading my way through all the fan mail. I might not have got to your letter just yet. Carry on, Adam. So this, these particular Matadors have a team of six. Right. There are two Picadors. They're like the S Club 7 of the bullfighting world. They are. They always tra travel around as a seven. Yeah. But did S Club have a, have a leader? Was there a main one? It was hard to know. I think it was quite a sort of communist regime. I think they were all equal. Okay, good. As it should be. We've got one clear leader who's the matador, and that's the one in the outfit, you know, lovely pink tights, nice waistcoat. A what? Hang on. What have you just said there? Westcott. What's a waistcoat? It's... Do you mean a waistcoat? Yeah, but... A waistcoat? Westcott yeah. sounds like a place where my Auntie Carol lives. <laughs> where we go, Westcott. Well, I don't know why they've named it after a piece of formal wear. Sorry, but sorry. Spell the West bit of waistcoat. Spell, spell that. Yeah, W-A-I-S-T. Right. Would you, would, what, what am I pointing at? My... <laughs> but it doesn't work like it that. It definitely does. You can't, you can't just... It's a coat for the waist. A waistcoat. Westcott. <sighs> That's the most well, upsetting thing I've heard this year. Westcott. You always said Westcott. That's how it's... I've, have you so met one anyone of, else? Have you ever met anyone else I who says Westcott? I, I don't know how often I've said it because it's not part of my normal clothing. Right. Only um, for special so occasions. One, okay, so I, one of two things has happened. I'm, I'm right. You're or not. at some point I've been pranked. Yeah. Westcott. Yeah. This train will stop at Shoreham-by-Sea. Westcott. <laughs> Portsmouth Harbour. <laughs> Westcott. Oh, dear. I hope Do you know what? I, that the I listeners... Had, entering this, I had actually quite a lot of respect for you, and all of it's fizzled out because of Westcott. 
Can I just have a sh show of hands? There are one, two, three other people in the room with us here. Uh, hands up if you pronounce it waistcoat. All oh, three hands no. have come up. And I'm just, I, oh, four people. I was going to check. Hands up if you've ever heard anyone other than Adam say Westcote. Not a single Not hand. Not a single one. So uh, I, I, th I think I may have shat myself on live podcast. Oh, dear. Um, whatever, whatever this bastard's wearing. Yes. Uh, he's the one with, with the sword and the... Um, the red rag. The red rag. Famously to the bull. The red rag for the bull. Okay. And um, so his colleagues... Is it always a man, a matador? No, it isn't. Uh, there was a woman uh, called something like Conchita Cintron. I may have remembered this wrong. Right. In which I, if I've said something have you done madly an, have you done offensive a, by accident yeah. to have our you, Hispanic uh, listeners. Have you done an Adele Delzine there? I suppose probably <laughs> have. But uh, what I do, the, the fact I do remember is she killed 750 bulls in her career. Goodness me. But it is a predominantly male job. Sure. So then you've got two picadors. And they do stabbing. They stab. They stab. So they annoy the bull. Oh, so basically, it's horrible. This isn't it? Yes. And then there's the banderillero. Band. Oh no. I mean, it can't be any worse than Westcott. So go for it. <laughs> banderilleros. Banderilleros. <laughs> Antonio uh, Banderilleros. Yeah. Exactly. I've heard of him. Yeah. And and so and you know there's three of those and then there's the sword carrier. Hey, what do they do? The banderieros. It wasn't totally clear, but it wasn't pro bull. Okay, fine. Then, you know, <laughs> then uh, the sword carrier presents the sword to the matador, who uh, does finishes the does, deed. Does, does the does the maiming and uh, a bullfight lasts a good hour and a half to two hours. Bizarre. If I had to join a bullfighting gang. They are a gang, aren't they? That's, I assume that's what they go by. Pres presume so, yeah. I would be the sword carrier because I would feel like it's, it's quite showboaty. Yeah. And also I'm not getting my hands dirty. <laughs> Talk to me about the injuries and deaths then. Okay. It's got to be high. It's got to be high. It, I mean, the majority of injuries to the matador and, and, uh, and colleagues are in the thigh and groin area. Straight for the bullocks. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's because the bull charges sort of head down. But also maybe it just knows that's a particularly vulnerable area. Yes. Yeah. It's studied human anatomy and it's yeah. gone. I thought that bit's soft. There's a, well, depends how excited the bullfighter is, but yes. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I think it's a sufficiently stressful situation mm. that no one is aroused. Mm. It'd be terrible. Oh, how embarrassing to get around. Also, they're very, they're very tight pink tights, aren't they? They are. Head and neck trauma also happens, not just from, um, you know, being, being stabbed with a footlong horn through your jugular vein, but also tripping over and, uh, and, and grazing your face. It isn't just the bullfighting team who are... Gang. The gang. Uh, yeah. The gang who are at risk. There are also the people who go along and watch. And I also, I don't have full they're, sympathy they're for them. They're fair game. They are fair game. August 2010, Pamploma, the bull had enough. Yeah. Jumped over the 1.5 meter barrier. It's high. I find it terrifying that a bull can jump that high. Mm. I'd like to think if I was on the other side of a meter and a half fence. I'd, it's like when I found out that 
alligators can do something like 30 miles an hour on land. What? Because I, I thought if I was in this sort of infested, snappy pool and I made it to the shore, I'd be fine. It turns out they can do the speed limit in a residential oh, area. Oh, my goodness. So you just have to, it, they can probably climb trees, drive cars. Anyway, but so bulls, it turns out, can leap. I mean, my dog can do nothing like that. Mm. So it jumped the barrier, charged the crowd, injured 40 people. Good on it. Good on it. Uh, well done, that bull. Go out with a bang. If you're going to go out, go out with a bang. Right. So, so you're sort of on my. You're hoping that this is a very fatal activity. You're- I, yeah, I think so. I think the more people that die from, die from it, the less likely it is to continue. But um, obviously, culturally, people really like it. Uh, they do. It's not considered a sport. It's considered a sort of a cultural event. Well, like ice dancing. Yes. Okay. Although, if you ask the Olympics, that's considered a sport. That's a sport, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm trying to think what else. Like a pantomime? <laughs> like a pantomime, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is normally the point I would explain how to stay safe in this sort of environment. And I would say you neither train to become mm. a bullfighter or attend any of the events. And then I, I'd say pretty much if you, if you stay in the UK, you're, fine. you're 100% safe. All right, I think it's going to be a big one. Uh, Jen, what are we saying? How deadly is bullfighting? Statistics tells us that 533 matadors have died since the year 1700, or an average of one and a half matadors per year. With 1,500 fights featuring three matadors and two bulls, will you get a score of one in 6,000, or 166 micromorts per fight? It is worth mentioning that 100% of the bulls perish at these events, giving it a micromort score of certain death from their point of view. I thought I thought that might have been slightly higher. I mean, it's still, you know. What? One in 6,000? You've killed that. That's fantastic. Much like a bull taking down a matador. Okay, excellent. You've run at that one. Why, why, why is it about a red rag? Is that just part of the theatrics, by the way? Um, I'm going to have to... This, you don't this, know. This isn't feature in my extensive research, mm. so I'm going to have to guess that maybe that's a colour that's... Because, you know, like babies, they first of all see in black and white, and then they see red as the next colour. So maybe because of the way their eyes develop, maybe that's like the bull's eyes, rod's cone, something like that. Right. I'm bluffing. But oh, who knows? Cl- 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 clearly it's sort of to sort of point them in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, we'll never know. We'll never be able to actually get into the mind of a bull, or maybe we will one day if Elon Musk keeps trying to work doing out doing his weird shit. Doing his weird shit. Yeah. Maybe that's where it'll go. Right. What have you got right. to, to rival uh, the oh, matadors? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I think. Um, but I've gone for stunt performers. Oh. Yeah, I thought stunt performer might be uh, might be quite a good one because you know by the very nature of the job, it they're is, doing dangerous. Things. They're doing dangerous things. It's do you want to do a dangerous thing? No, I don't. Can we get a stunt person? Yes, we can. They'll do the dangerous thing instead. Uh, have you ever required a stunt double? I've never required a stunt double. I I did once write a sketch which I was going to appear in, in which it required a glass bottle to be smashed over my head, and. I was the one doing the smashing. So I was picking up the glass bottle, yeah. smashing on my own head. And uh, so we got sugar glass bottle in. Oh, yeah. Adam, there's no feeling like it. <laughs> it's fantastic. If I could wake up every day, pick up a gla- fake glass bottle and smash it over my bonce, I would. What a wonderful way 
to start. So you are a stunt performer, is what you're saying? I, well, I have been. It's like a roller coaster. It's all the jeopardy of like, oh, I'm doing something dangerous. And the first time you do it, you don't, you don't, you don't know what it's going to be like. Is it going to hurt a bit? Will it be... It has to hurt a bit. Will it's it be, still a thing. Doesn't you're hurt, hitting on doesn't your... hurt a bit. Doesn't hurt a bit. You barely know it's there. And it makes such a satisfying sound. It's incredibly satisfying. But quite a pricey habit to get into, because I think it's like 15 quid per sugar bottle. If I was getting to one of those every day, I'd have to remortgage my house. Right. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm down to one a month. Is it, is it worth having some on the wine rack? Oh, so you yes. could, you could, you know, during a dinner party, Fantastic. you could stage a, an argument. Oh, if I had enough friends to warrant a dinner party, I would definitely do that. But the problem might be that you forget which bottle it is. Oh, yeah. And then you, you lamp someone with a Merlot. Yeah, like one of those magicians. Kill them. Like one of those magicians that does the, uh, the hand and spike trick. Have you seen that? <gasps> Where they've got three massive nails and then they've got three paper cups and they put a cup over each nail and they have the audience move them around and because they're the magician, they always know which one doesn't have the nail and they slam their hand down it. But it's gone wrong so many times. There's like super cuts on YouTube of magicians getting impaled through no. that trick. Yeah, it would be like that. I'd pick up a bottle and be like, Lol, everyone's going to love this. Uh, what a dinner party to talk about. Oh, Matt smashed a fake bottle over someone's head. And then... And now, and now, now he's in prison. Now he's in jail. <laughs> but yeah, that's the closest I've got to stunt work. How about you? I've always been surprised by the low threshold at which a stunt performer is brought in. Right. Uh, like in a recent thing I filmed, it involved someone falling over. Uh -huh. And they replaced the person with a stunt person. And, and, and with that, do you think there is technique to it? Or do you think that the stunt performer has just gone, yeah, it's probably all right, I'll just fall over? I, I think they're probably just people who are totally fearless yeah, and just go for the job for, for that reason. I think you could do it because you said you got quite a low, no, you've got a high pain threshold. A high pain threshold. I, I, I worry I'm, it, it might be more of a young man's game. Right. Because now every time I fall over, you know, there is a lot more risk. How often are you falling over? I'm slightly clumsy. Right. I don't know at what age it goes from falling over to having a fall. Mm. Um, I think you're close to it. It's got, you know, it's got... It's, to, it's on got the horizon. 50 has yeah. to be. I mean, I'm only a decade away from, it, you know, people worryingly, preemptively calling an ambulance. Yeah. And you don't want one of those as your, as your stunt double. No. Uh, if your stuntman walks in and they've got a, uh, one of those cords around their neck with a button they can press just in case something goes wrong, <laughs> you're going to start worrying. Well, cast your mind back to 1903. Oh, yes. Yeah, silent picture, The Great Train Robbery. I think you'd like this film because oh, yeah. it's only 12 minutes long. Oh, that's the perfect length for a film. That's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, still I too long that. for TikTok. So, come on, guys. There was a stunt double uh, called Frank Hannaway in that, hired by the director, for his ability to fall off a horse without injuring himself. Now, how you discover that's an ability you have, I don't know. I guess you I've been very a, bad at horse riding. Yeah, you fall off a horse and go, well, that doesn't Yeah, hurt. and after right. 38 times of that, <laughs> uh, you want to get out the way of the horse. And are you going to tell me that he died during the... No, he didn't, actually. That was just the first film to feature a stunt double, and it was a runaway commercial success. And so they obviously thought, well, great, we'll do more of this. But, but, obviously it led to fatalities. That's why I chose it. Because one of the earliest recorded instances of a stunt performer dying in the line of duty takes place 
But 17 years later, 1920, on an action film called The Skyway Man. It was Ooh, about a, a title. The Skyway Man, I know. It was about a shell-shot World War I pilot. And there was this daredevil called Orma Locklear, who sadly was killed when... Orma. His... They really, they really, really had good first names. Great, then. great first names. Orma. Well, that's in no baby book of names, is it? No, Orma, that's on no website. Exactly. Yeah, it's or not. They just you just in the days you could just make it up. Orma. Well, sadly, not only has the name died out, so did Orma, because he went into a nosedive in the plane, and was able to pull out of it. And get this right, the studio who made the movie decided, well, we should capitalize on this death, and they pushed it in the film's marketing, like. A guy died so you could watch this, and it was hugely successful. Oh, wow. I mean, so there's there's an obvious ethical quandary in... If, you, if, you, if you're doing one of these films where your stuntman dies doing the stunt, are you allowed to use that take? Because... Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I bet it's been done. By the way, uh, I'd like to say now, if I die in the process of making this podcast, by all means... Feel free to use my death to market it. Oh, yeah. thanks, Matt. It's quite all right. And are you happy for me to just continue to the end of the end of the episode? Yeah, that's fine. And um, we'd replace you with Matt Richardson because no one can tell the difference in any case. Perfect. And then just plow on. Just plow on. Yeah, just keep going. And do you know what? That movie wasn't the only one to use the stunt person's death in the marketing. So in 1967, Jose Marco died during the filming of an action film. It was called Kane. The Michael Kane story. When, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was actually about a long walking stick. How they stretched it out, I don't know. Anyway, he was attacked and killed by a shark, which is annoying because I was very in defense of sharks recently on this podcast. You were. They're the perfect family pet, you I said. said they got a bad reputation. I said, if you see a shark, you know, don't be too scared. But no, he got... He yeah, got... have a cuddle. Yeah, exactly. Now, to be fair to the shark, it was in a netted enclosure in the sea so it was trapped and so that was part of the, the it wasn't a random shark attack there was a they were having to film exactly this was part of the film where michael kane had gone on a shark watching holiday or something exactly fine and uh, it was a sedated bull shark uh, very, <laughs> very much the bull of the sea the bull shark yeah uh, and not sedated enough it sounds like not sedated the enough. way this story's going no uh, because like a red rag to a bull shark it regained its composure and then uh, it disemboweled the stuntman so, and then, but, but... And the sea is a very bad place to be disemboweled. Terrible place for Because the bowels will just float off. They'll You're never going to get those back in. Never find them. And again, the studio tried to spin Marco's tragic death into box office returns. They offered up glossy coverage of the accident to Life magazine, and they renamed the film Shark! With an exclamation mark. Shark! Wow. wow. From Kane. Hmm. I mean, that is, he's, a, he's a better title, Shark! shark. Exclamation mark. Shark! I'd see that, yeah, because I don't know what Kane means. No. But shark! You know what you're... I know what's you, going you know, on there. You know what you're getting. Ah! Well, listen, I can sit and tell you uh, terrible things about stunt performers... That you've uh, read on Google. That I've read on Google forever. But why don't we hear from someone who's witnessed it firsthand? This is a guy called Are, who is a very famous man in Norway, a Norwegian TV presenter, who had an incident involving a daredevil. Hi. My name is uh, Ari Olsen. I am a Norwegian reporter. 
in 2012, we were making a TV series about uh, people with extreme interests and hobbies. We were following the mad doctor, Dr. Richard Henriksen. He is a retired gymnast, a very active bass jumper, and husband and father of five. We were on a mountain in Norway. It's a base jumping Eldorado. And there, Richard set up a sway bar, you know, a gymnastic bar with concrete and drill and wires and screws and right on the edge of the cliff. His plan was to combine gymnastics and base jumping and swing himself out into the blue before loosening his parachute. You have a vertical drop 1,000 meters down. So, when this happened, uh, Richard was uh, just uh, testing the sway bar. He was uh, swinging round and round and I was uh, watching him. All of a sudden, with a loud spunk. Sorry, hang on. What was that word? Sprank. What? What's a loud sprank? Have you ever had a loud sprank? Sprank. Spunk. Loud. Sp- well, often a loud sprank can lead to <laughs> can lead to loud spunk. It doesn't feel like it's going to end well, does it? The whole setup disintegrated. Bars, poles, wires and screws went everywhere and Richard dropped like a stone over the edge. I freaked out. Uh, I hid my head in my hands. I was sure Richard was dead. I was thinking of his five kids. I was in shock. And then I heard someone calling out. The chute has opened. I am still amazed that uh, Richard didn't uh, die that day. He survived unhurt. He didn't even sprain his ankle. For me, it was my most dramatic TV moment ever. And kids, don't start with this base jumping madness. Just say no. Mm. A good public service message there. Um, Well, I mean, what a concise anecdote. It's not as bad as being a matador. No, well, that. But there is. I'm t- Are you weighing up whether it's his own fault? That's what I'm trying to weigh up. If you if you if you can be bothered to cart up and put together a a, a shonky climbing frame, yeah, then to it's fling on, yourself off a kilometer down. It's on you if it spunks. I think I think that's what I'm. I, and I wish no harm on him mm. or any of the stunt performing community, of course. But if it's not even for a film, if you're just doing... No, he, he was just not, doing, that, the TV presenter was there because it must have been uh, for a TV show. It was for a TV show. Are you saying... It, it wasn't, he, he wasn't... He wasn't doing it to pretend to be Daniel Craig, though. Right. Doing some gymnastics and then flying off a precipice. Yeah. If that goes... That goes wrong. You think that's on him? If you're an insurance company, I'm not. But I'll try and imagine. I hang on. Where do I know you from? <laughs> aren't you? The, aren't you the guy who arranged the <laughs> who arranged the the insurance on the SUV? That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought so. Mm. Um, you're an insurance company. The premiums are going to be pretty high if your job is stunt performer. Not just for not just for TV and film, but also I do rogue things on my own. Yeah, I think you're probably right 
But, Whereas, you know, but, it, but the world, the world kind of needs exciting daredevils, doesn't it? It needs people doing, you know, testing the boundaries of the human ability. It, 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 there is that argument, and there's also the argument that says, you know, why bother? And also, think of the the paramedics who are going to have to scrape you up afterwards. I read a I read a, a, a paper, uh, a sort of medical medical paper, saying that the cost of repairing injuries from people who've done sponsored skydive, so the cost to the NHS of repairing all their broken limbs, far exceeds the amount raised for charity <laughs> in these sponsored skydives. Right, so they need to find a sort of uh, the middle ground, like the banker on Deal or No Deal, the yes. perfect sweet spot where the <laughs> NHS just say, look, we'll give this money to other charities. Stop jumping out of planes. I, I always think with, with stunt performers, particularly um, in movies, say you are Daniel Craig or someone like that who requires a stunt performer. If a stunt performer gets injured or worse, dies, do you, do you retain some sense of responsibility around that? Had I not looked like this? They wouldn't have been booked for the job. It's in a way, in a roundabout way, my fault. Yes, yeah, I think I think that should that should rightly weigh on you forever. I think it would weigh on me. Yeah, you know? and I reckon you become quite chummy with your stunt double. Yeah, I wonder if people have the same stunt doubles for their whole careers. I think they probably do. Yeah, so you I don't have to find a new one exactly. Because for well, example, there are you kill them off. Oh yeah, no, yeah. exactly. You, you probably you probably have two urgent you? vacancy. Yes, yeah. Because I think with particularly the action stars, they've got enviable bodies, haven't they? Well, it depends what kind of a body you envy. Some of them have got weird bodies. Well, yeah. I mean, The Rock. The, the Rock. People Unusual. aren't meant to look like that, are they? That's too. That's that's really pushing where where you've got muscles. Mm. What shape they can grow to. So, what is it? One in six thousand to beat for the bullfighters. Yeah, pretty pretty fatal. Let's see how the stunt performers perform, Jen. Jen! Jen! As can sometimes be the case, statistics on the danger of stunt performing can vary. But a study of Hollywood found one death for every 135 films produced. That means, if you're a stunt performer, your job has a Micromort score of a whopping 7,407 per film, making it one of the most dangerous jobs in the US. And if that wasn't enough to put you off, the Union of British Columbia Stunt Performers say that the profession has a 100% injury rate. What? Wow. No. Yeah, that's a, that is a risky job. I've seen more than 135 films. That means I've watched the stuntman die. Yeah, you probably have. Without knowing. You probably have. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Well, it wouldn't have been 101 Dalmatians. No. Not Shrek. Probably not Shrek. No, I don't think there were any deaths in Shrek. I don't know if I've seen uh, all that many movies where someone might have perished. I'm, I'm not really an action movie person. No, I don't think you're much of a movie person. Uh, if you haven't seen the greats, you know, the Harry Potters, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I wouldn't put you down as a cinephile. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm just very disappointed. And also I think Jen's wrong. I'm going to put it out there. Right. I mean, if Jen's wrong, that does mean the entire podcast is fundamentally flawed and we don't have a job anymore. But Jen's right. Obviously, Jen's right. But, you know, is it is it worth her just going over? Sometimes you can misplace a decimal point, can't you? Mm, yeah. We've all, we've all been there. She's very thorough. Mm. Okay, well, so. reluctantly, I congratulate you on, uh, on finding a more um, dangerous occupation. Yeah! 
Thank you very much. Uh, we will do this again next time, although actually I'm sending my stunt double in next time to do the podcast recording, if that's okay. Uh, excellent. What are his jokes like? They can't be any worse, can they? Than mine. No. No. The List of Absolutely Everything That Might Kill You is a podcast from Podomo and What's the Story Sounds. It's presented by me, Adam Kay. And me, Matt Edmondson. The episodes are researched and produced by Jack O'Kennedy. Executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudnow and Matt White. And for What's the Story Sounds, it's Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. 